Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert, and again, I am here with my amazing co-host, Dr. Millicent Ravello. Good evening. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm doing great. Today is Wednesday, so it's hump day. Hump day. And we are talking about humps. <laughs> yes, we are. We're going to talk about the hump on the nose and what to do about it, because I have been taking down humps like they're going out of style. Like well, they, they kind of are. I mean, they, were they ever in style? No, they are out no, of style. Never. I can tell you that there is a now a group of young ladies around Beverly Hills, and Newport men. Beach, and, and men, men actually uh, recently who now are humpless. That is correct. That's right. We of, did we dehumped uh, one of your patients. I know. Yeah, that was we, good. we took it, he, that was what he came in for. He said, "Well, number one, I can't breathe. Number two, I hate this hump on my nose." And I said. So do I. Yeah, nope, nobody <laughs> loves a hump. Nobody looks at it and goes like, you know what I want is for you to make me a the hump. hump. Could you please? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the thing the thing is, by the way, humps are totally natural, normal. They're, they're respectable structures. Some people want their humps, love them, keep them, and, and, you know, all good with that. So for the lucky people out there that don't even know what a hump is because their noses are perfect, a hump is like a, literally like a camel hump on the top of your nose, right in the middle. That's right. You might, you might not notice it if you're looking straight on at a patient, but it's when they turn their head to the side that you're like, whoa. The selfie view. Yeah. It's a problem. Yeah. Uh, so the reason that people don't like humps is because it obscures their, the view of their face with their eyes. And it makes them look older than they actually are. Definitely. That's the issue. Definitely. I mean, there's no other reason. Like humps are fine. They're anatomically normal. They happen. Um, I have a little one myself, but uh, that's a rugby issue. So we'll talk about that another day. But the reality is, is that the, the humps make people less attractive in the upper face. Yes. And it draws people to their nose rather than seeing their eyes in relief. Right. That's why people don't like their humps. It gives more of a pinched sort of, not even, I don't want to say angry, but a pinched look to the face, which does that make them look a little bit older and a little bit just more stern. Yep. You know? So the reason, and, and taking a hump off is something we do very yeah. commonly in rhinoplasty. It is really one of the major complaints that brings people in for nose surgery. Right, right. So... What do you do about a hump? First of all, what is it? It's a combination of bone and cartilage. So there's the bony vault, which is the upper portion of the nose, which starts basically from where your forehead ends and the nose begins. Yeah. And then it goes to where the sort of the height, highest point of the hump is, which is called the rhinion or rhinion. And that area is where the bone meets the cartilage. And the middle vault of the nose is the cartilaginous middle vault. And that is also part of the hump. Yes. Yeah. Frequently, it's the cartilage and the bone, and you have to address both of them. And it's best to know before surgery, in part of your assessment, what part is bone and what part is cartilage, because it helps you with your approach. Um, in fact, we did a, a uh, webinar. I, I did a Stanford facial plastic surgery webinar about how to reduce humps with a typical method called the Joseph method. And we're going to talk about how we can take the humps down today, but back to what it is. So bone, cartilage, and the way that you approach it, it can be approached through any number of ways in rhinoplasty. You can do an endonasal or closed approach. You can do an open approach. And of course, there's preservation rhinoplasty, which is another approach. That's a whole to get another in, podcast. Uh, absolutely. Well, <laughs> preservation, it's coming. 
I, I can only speak about preservation rhinoplasty really as a guy who revises preservation rhinoplasties. I haven't really done a lot of those as actually any. Any. So, um, but other than that, the way that you take humps down is you can file the bones. You can use power tools and burr the bones down. You can use uh, piezoelectric ultrasonic water jet saws right. to bring them down. You can use true nasal saws. You can use rasps and just file them down like you're mm-hmm. trying to, you know, file your nails yep. down. You use the osteotomes um, and kind of chip away at the bone. Cut them away, yep. gouges. So there are lots of different tools for reducing the bony hump. The cartilaginous portion is much easier. Yeah, you snip it. Use a note, use a knife, <laughs> use a use a scissor, whatever you want. Um, but the key is to make it blend. Yeah. Because if you don't sure. if you don't nail it on the hump, you can get some very specific deformities, like the inverted V deformity can result if you take the bones down too much, don't bring the the do the fractures correctly and bring the bones together and do something about the transition from the bony hump to the cartilaginous hump. Right. You get sort of a depression right there where the bones and the cartilage meet. Telltale sign very, very of rhinoplasty, for sure. Yeah, so we don't like that. We want we want to see things look very natural, have them come together, blend, and you know make the the bridge look great. So, how low do you like to go on your humps? Let's talk about female rhinoplasty. What are you looking for for the aesthetic result for the female humpectomy? I my aesthetic, I really, really, really like just a nice straight dorsum, a nice line from the top of the nose to the tip of the nose. I don't necessarily want a scoop. I certainly don't want the hump. I just want a nice straight line. Got it. I'm sort of a gentle hint of a curve curve guy. guy. I don't like like a scoop either. Scoops are from the uh, 70s and the 80s, and it reminds me of my high school senior class. So no offense to any of them, but they, they just got all scooped out by the same. There were these guys in New Jersey that did the rhinoplasties and they went for the scoop eighties over rotated pixie tip classic eighties nose job. So I'm sorry for my classmates. I wasn't available then. (laughs) I was still trying to get through pre-calc. Um, but now I can do this and do a nice hint of a curve. I don't like a super tip break per se. I don't, if somebody's got to ask me for that. Super tip break being when the tip of the nose sort of flips up a little bit. Right. The bridge comes down and then there's a step off almost as you get to the tip cartilages. Not a fan. Mm -mm, No, me neither. Like a a gentle hint of a curve. Some people ask me for the super tip break. I'll do it, you know, but I'll do it kind of my way. I don't like it to be extreme. Um, But some people say that I really want a super tip break. And I'm like, "Mm, really? Really? You want that? (laughs) But do do you? (laughs) (laughs) I know. That's like my daughter. Do you? Do you? Do you really want that? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think the, I think that you can make a really nice dorsum. Now, reconstructing the dorsum is key. So you can use spreader flaps, spreader grafts. Uh, you can do nothing, overlap the cartilages. You can sew them back together. How do you like to reconstruct your bridge? I'm definitely on board with the spreader flaps, spreader grafts, depending on how much support we need. But once you take those humps down, you have to do something. Otherwise, you're going to get all the deformities we just talked about. I think so. so I think you have to put you it have back to together. Do something. Yeah. yeah. The only time you don't have to put together this is the the uh, sort of the reason for preservation rhinoplasty right. rising in popularity is because the concept of a preservation rhinoplasty is that you don't take it apart. You leave yeah. the, everything about the hump. The hump is okay. It just needs to be in a different place. <laughs> and so you bring the the hump down by cutting the bones. 
and doing some septal, some very fancy septal work that was uh, described in 1857 by uh, a guy named Cottle, who would take away the septum along the maxilla and then drop the the nose down into the, that was the push down. I think that's correct. It could be that that's the letdown. There's a letdown and there's a push down version. I'm not expert in preservation rhinoplasty. You have to get, I am getting to be expert in revisions of preservation rhinoplasties. <laughs> so no offense to those who love preservation rhinoplasty. I understand why they love it. I get it. The concept is that we as surgeons cannot make anything that looks as good as your natural hump. So just push it down and make it smaller. But the most reason, the most frequent reason, I think, for revising the preservation rhinoplasty is there's still a hump, residual hump, <laughs> still a hump, hump day. <laughs> Say it again. We're doing a hump podcast here, so yeah. I mean, that is the problem. You yeah. want to get rid of the hump, and if you just push it down, it's still there. It's still there. The other problem that I have with that concept is that a lot of the preservation guys tell me that they have to do something about the step offs around the bones. To fill it in. So now they wind up having a new deformity that they have oh, to geez. treat, uh, that they treat with dice cartilage or crushed cartilage grafts or something like that. But, you know, I, I think that the preservation rhinoplasty has a place in today's rhino. It, it probably doesn't have a place with me because I'm just, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking for answers for problems that don't exist. But, you know, there, I know that, you know, some really good rhinoplasty surgeons really love that technique. So whatever. The reality is I think the spreader flaps, spreader grafts are the way to go. Yes. If you can make spreader flaps... That's the way to do it. That's great. It's the best yeah. in primary anyway. Yeah. You usually can't do it in revision no. rhinoplasty. And so we're really speaking mostly about primary rhinoplasty, first-time rhinoplasty. What about the open roof deformity uh, in humpectomy? It's a problem. <laughs> I know it is. That's why I've asked you about it. And I'm glad that you've recognized it as a problem. That's a problem. It is a problem. <laughs> so the open roof occurs when you've taken the bone down possibly already cut the bones, brought them together, and now you have a very clear area where the bone used to be that now feels open. open. It is. It's right. open. You can like feel that there's nothing there. Yeah. So what do you do about that? I mean, that's where you put your grafts. Those are your, those are your spreader grafts. That's the only fill thing you it. can do, you know? Well, you can cover it. You could also yeah. onlay it. Some people do. I'm not, I'm not an onlayer. Um, you could cover it with a dice cartilage and fascia graft. Yeah, I suppose. You could put a crushed cartilage graft, which again, you're going to see at some point. Uh, that's the that's the problem. With I like those the graphs graphs. because they just I, I know where I'm putting them. I know where they're going to go. I know how they're going to behave. There's not a whole lot of guesswork. Yeah. There. So spreader graphs that go up to that fill that open yeah. roof. Yeah. It is the way to go, but you need cartilage to do that. True. Some yeah. of these patients don't have a whole lot that of cartilage in their septum. Yeah. So just for the listeners, we typically get our cartilage supply from the septum, but in some patients, there just isn't a whole lot. Like yeah. uh, there's a lot of. Uh, Asian patients of Asian descent who have very, very little. little cartilage. It's like you, you, if you're finding like a dime size. You're like, piece oh, that's of cartilage. so cute. Yeah, not helpful for the rhinoplasty though. So you have to go to ear cartilage or yeah. go to uh, or go to rib or something right. like that. Right. And I'm finding now there. Do you know how many papers are being published about rib as primary in primary rhinoplasty for Asian East Asian rhinoplasty? I think a lot. I've, it's, I've, it's tons. I've done that research. There's a lot of papers out there on the Crazy. Asian rhinoplasty. They're going right to rib. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, you, you we're, have... like the ear thing is done. Yeah. If you're doing an Asian rhinoplasty, East Asian rhinoplasty, yeah. then you should be thinking about rib right out of the gates. Yeah. I just reviewed a paper for that about uh, using uh, caudal septal extension grafts uh, for using rib cartilage like as primary rhinoplasty. I think it's great. 
I, I'm glad that everybody's willing to accept it because I yeah. love rib cartilage. Yeah, I think so. I guess the good, another good question for you is how often do you get the patient or do you get the patient that says, I don't want anything but my hump taken down. Don't do anything else. And what do you do with that patient? Because how frequent or how often do you have a patient that really just only needs a hump taken down and nothing else done to their tip? So that's a great question because that is what they say. I, I, I love my hump. nose. I yeah. just want the hump gone. Okay. Yeah. So that seems simple enough. Why can't I just have that? Right. So the answer to that is, is they're not wrong that, but that's not how you do it. Right. So you have to tell them, you know, again, they're the only person that can tell me how to do rhinoplasty is another plastic surgeon. I'm not, I don't take instructions from patients because they're not expert in how to do rhinoplasty, but their, their complaint that I just want the hump gone is great. But that means also that I have to blend the tip. I have to operate yes. the tip. I have to operate the entire nose to make it look nice. Right. And that's just a, that's just a semantic issue. So just cause they just want the hump done doesn't mean that we're not going to do a full rhinoplasty. Right. It's not like you're just going to go in there, do a quick little shave and get out. Yeah, that doesn't, doesn't work. You can't really do that. Yeah, that unfortunately, that is not how rhinoplasty no. works. You no. have to do when you do rhinoplasty, you have to operate the whole nose. Yes, I, I don't even I don't care. You, if you don't do that, then you're going to get like discrepant results that don't right. don't blend. They don't look right. So, yeah, that's just an education issue. So right. you have to go through that with patients and explain. Yes, we will make it so that it looks like the hump is gone and it's still your nose. But we have to do these things too. To make blend that work. it, to support it, et cetera. The other thing about humps that's really important is how you cut the bones. So you'll hear people talk about, oh, I do low to low osteotomies. I do low to high osteotomies. Because once you bring that hump down, you have to bring the bones in around your middle vault and to get the dorsal aesthetic lines, basically the defining uh, shadows that make the bridge look the way that it looks to be in harmony with the fact that the hump's gone. Otherwise, it's like if you took... If you think about like taking the a part of the very top of a roof of a house off, it once you take it off, the the lines are going to be too wide. Yeah. So you have to bring, bring them, them together. And that requires bone cuts called yeah. osteotomies. And in order to do that, you can do that a lot of ways again with saws, with power tools, with, you know, uh regular osteotomes, internal, external, uh just depending on how you approach the bones. What's your, what do you do for osteotomies? Are you an external osteotomy person or are you a internal? Internal, internal osteotomies. Yeah, me yeah. too. I, I don't do external very often. Mm-mm. I don't want to, I mean, if I don't have to make a, even a little tiny incision on the skin, if I don't have to do that, I'd rather not. Yeah. The cuts on the face are, well, that's one, another thing I don't love about preservation is that they do these external osteotomies and there's a cut like right at the radix. <laughs> every one of them I'm like I really hate that I, I just I don't like it no. so preservation's not getting a good good rap no, on this podcast not. is it I, I, I don't want to I don't want to besmirch <laughs> preservation except, rhinoplasty except I sort of have for the past 12 minutes I don't want to do that is it oh alright so I have um, <laughs> but I don't want to because I think that you know preservation rhinoplasty has a place and there's a way to do it like my friends who do it, like they get these like cool looking results. Okay, good. I would do it differently. You know, I would look for different results. I, I'm not saying that it, I, I, like whatever, it's fine. We'll do a whole preservation one. When I, when I, I have now 15 revisions of preservation rhinoplasties. So with that said, 
the thing that I notice about them is that they, they're like unfinished operations. That's how I feel about them. Right. And it's not like they're a disaster or anything like that. They're just not, one, one of them. Actually, one of them done. was a total disaster. But, but, the, uh, but most of them are just sort of unfinished operations. And I just feel like if they'd done a different technique, and maybe that's part of the learning curve, but those 15 people. Yeah, maybe you, ha- you haven't seen the 200 that have had a great result. And I see them at the meetings and everything. Yeah. They do, and these guys really can do yeah. an amazing. Like I know, I I know that a few of my friends really love preservation rhinoplasty, and they love the results, and they're totally pumped on this operation. Good, great. <laughs> yeah, that's good for you, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> hey, if they're happy and their patients are happy. Well, maybe we should go to the. Go. You know what we should do? We should go to the anatomy lab and like knock out a few over there and try that out. See All if right. we like it. Are you in? I'm in. Let's do All it. Right. Anything else about humps? I think we got it. I think you got to get rid of them. I think, th- I think they must be stopped before they kill somebody. I think that's really the most important thing. With that said, this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is brought to you by Rock Spa. This is Medi Spa, located both in Beverly Hills and Newport Beach, providing services such as Botox, fillers, lasers, and all therapy, as well as hydrofacials and all the aesthetic products you could possibly need. It's run by the medical director, me, Dr. Jay Calvert. Rock Spa Beverly Hills is located at 120 South Spalding Drive in Suite 340, Beverly Hills, 90212. The phone number there is 310-777-0496. And Rock Spa Newport Beach is located at 1617 West Cliff Drive, Newport Beach, California, 92660. The phone number there is 949-640-1111. You can go to their respective websites, rockspanewportbeach.com or rockspabeverlyhills.com. Rock Spa was created to help my patients maintain their aesthetic beauty in between whatever operations they have throughout their lives. It's something that allows patients to come in, get their facials, skin treatments, take care of all the Botox fillers and lasers that they need to keep up their beauty. And if they've invested in any of the aesthetic operations I perform, it's the way to maintain those operations. If you mention this podcast, you will get the member's pricing for your hydrofacial. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is the way that Dr. Ravello and I talk about the issues that are important to us in plastic surgery. But there's nothing better than getting to take care of our patients and do plastic surgery. Our practices are located in Beverly Hills, and I also have a satellite office in Newport Beach. You can learn about my practice at drcalvert.com, and you can reach my office by calling 310-777-8800, and that will get you an appointment either in Beverly Hills or at the Newport Beach office. My practice is located in Beverly Hills. Our office phone number is 310-954-1355. You can also contact us directly through the website, which is rovelloplasticsurgery.com. We look forward to seeing you in the office for some aesthetic tune-ups.